What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rockcast, brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. We're doing a little mix-up of Tipsy Tuesday. We're doing a Tipsy Friday, because we had some... Uh, we didn't have power on Tuesday, and so it's taken me a couple days to get this thing out, but we're going to rip it out here. So, latest episodes, we've got uh, we've got the Mule Deer Q&A episode with Robbie. is like two hours long. Um, tons and tons of information in there. It was great. And then I did an episode called Knowing Your Boots and wrapped in an old episode to Chuck Britton on boot stiffness. And then we looped back with Matt Cashel as well and took a look back at optics. Tons of good information in there as well, so go check that out. We have my uh, buddy Jaden Bales just uh, finished a written review on the Argali Absorca four-person tent. And uh, we used that tent couple of weekends ago a few weekends ago uh, with the insert and it's awesome for two people and all their gear and a dog and yeah it was great we didn't even have you know we didn't have all of our hunting gear like normal we were scouting but um, there was tons of room in there it was actually really nice having a floor Um, I'm a big floorless person but it was nice having the insert wasn't too much to pack um it was really great. So we're going to get Jaden on this next week, and we're going to talk about that tent a little bit more, along with some other things. And another review that is new is the Leica Amplis 6 rifle scope. That is up on rockslide.com. And uh, new products. So a really interesting new product coming out is a new digiscoping adapter called the MagView digiscoping adapter. And it utilizes magnets, um, so the to put your phone on and off of it is super easy. And uh, I have not got my hands on one, but a fellow who has is Robbie Denning. And I got him on the phone a little bit ago to talk about it, and so we'll just jump over to that conversation right now. Robbie, what are your impressions of the MagView digiscoping setup now that you've had it for a bit? I've had it about three weeks and I've had it on, um, two scouting trips. Um, and I, I, right now I'm using it on the Swaro ATS, um, 65, 20 to 60. Um, but I tried it on, um, a couple other spotting scopes. Let's see. What did I try it on? I tried it on my, uh, my Zeiss, um, Dialyte. And then there's, there's, there's a spotting scope adapter. That's the S1. And then there's the a, a bino adapter. That's the B1. And on the B1, I've tried it on my Zeiss SFL uh, 10 by 40s and my Zeiss um, SF 10 by 32. So basically four different optics. And it and it's performed well on each one. It 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 had a steeper learning curve than some of the other competitors that I've used. Like it took me you know, 15, 20 minutes of messing around in the garage to finally figure out what I was doing. And, you know, I'm sort of slow as you know, but, um, you know, I just wasn't quite understanding how the ring went on and, and on the, on the, on the Zeiss SFL, the ring was not quite big enough. So I, I had to do some tweaking, but I got it on. Um, and, but once, once I practiced it, uh, and, 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 and I could get it on the optic and eliminate the vignette ring, you know, that was probably the biggest learning curve about it. Now I'm just as fast with it as about anything, um, you know, because it's a universal adapter and, and, you know, I've talked about this sometimes universal is okay at, 
everything, but not excellent at anything. And, yeah. and this one is, is it, 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 it is good universal adapter. Everything I've tried it on once I got the, the, the practice down on getting rid of that ring, I can get it right on now and get, and get full screen. Awesome. So how does it, it works with magnets, which is different than a lot of like most digiscoping adapters are like a, a friction fit from the phone over the eyepiece. Um, this, so this system utilizes um, magnets. And can you yes. like, talk about how that, how that works? a little more yeah so so it, it, it kind of one of the pros of it it's a very lightweight system all you get in the system is a ring that goes on your eyepiece so on the s1 it's it's a ring and a dust uh cap um and, and it's um it, it just opens the dust cap just opens like a door okay and so the the magnet on the s1 is in that dust flap on the B1, it's in the ring itself that goes on the binocular. There's no dust cap. And the, the, it's a rare earth magnet, and that is in that ring. So the magnet's not on your phone. The magnet's on your optic. And if anybody watched my, our YouTube video, we have a whole video on uh, the Rockslide um, YouTube channel. You can just jump on there, three or four-minute video. I go through the whole thing on two different optics. But I did not explain clearly the magnet is in the rings. Okay, The magnet is not on the phone. On your phone, you put on a, a steel plate that um, has some adhesive, and, and this is what makes it universal. It doesn't matter. I mean, you can stick it right to a phone without a case. You can stick it to a phone with any case. I mean, it, it just sticks on, and, and then it stays, and it's thin. Gosh, I think it even said like a half an ounce. It might even be less than that. I mean, it's, it's almost paper thin. And then once that's on your phone case, then the, that's what the magnet is sticking to. Okay. And so, um, it'll, it'll, I've got an iPhone 11, um, but we've already got guys on Rockslide using it. Tony Treach and uh, Kyle Virgin are, are both testing in the field right now. We all have different phones. I don't remember what their phone specs are, but once that plate is on there, it doesn't matter what phone, that's what makes it universal. Then it's just a matter of getting it lined up with the ring, with the magnet in the ring. And, um, we had some YouTube questions, like uh, kind of both ends of it. Like guys were like, gosh, I don't, wouldn't want that strong of a magnet near my phone, but I've checked it. It's not like, it, it doesn't seem to be interfering with anything on my phone. And now I haven't used my compass on my phone, right. When I'm looking through the spotter, because I never would, but as far as changing any function on my phone, it has not done that at all. And then on the other end, guys were saying, gosh, that's probably falls off pretty easy. No, it doesn't. It takes a, a little wedging to get it off of there. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's solid. Once it's on there, I'm not having any problem with it moving. It's going to be probably the fastest universal one, but I don't think it's going to be as fast as a proprietary, um, a digiscope that, that, that is spec to your optic. So like my phone scope, um, for my, you know, my Swaro, uh, eyepiece, my 20 to 60 eyepiece, that's spec for that. So that's super fast. I mean, you just put that on there and, you know, there's no adjustment. So, it, it, but as far as a universal goes, it, it's very fast. There's no, you know, you're not turning wheels or anything like that. Um, and, and then the great thing is, is, you know, I've got multiple spotting scopes. If I want to jump to something else, I don't have to have a different ring. I just have to move the ring over. Perfect. Man, I think 
That's is there anything there, else? There's another it? disadvantage. Okay. I I think I said it earlier. I can't I can't I can't charge my my phone wirelessly, and uh, and this one's and, you know the whole rarer thing you know magnet stuff like that. It's more expensive than the, than some of the other options that are out there. I've had a few a little bit of feedback on Rockslide, but you know it's not outrageously expensive. I I don't have the retail in front of me. I think the the S ones mid one hundreds. The B one is under a hundred. Um, you know, so it's very, very competitive, but it's going to be on the, on the high end. Um, but what, this is what I would tell people, like, if you're, if you, you've had good luck using, you know, magnetic phone holders and stuff like that, you'll probably really like this system. It'll be a short learning curve for you. And then if you're still on the fence, Tony Treach and Kyle Virgin, you know, two of our most extreme backcountry hunters are using them right now. And we're going to have a written review up by, before August 10th. We'll have it up. And we've already got that thread going on Rockslide. Just go to our optics forum. I think it's in our digiscoping forum. Excuse me. It's in our, our digiscoping sub forum. It's pinned at the top. And um, you can see we're already, you know, posting preliminary stuff on there. Um, you know, if you, but if you need to wait for the final review, we should have that out here for, uh, first August, 10th August right around in there awesome yeah it's uh made in the usa from what i've seen of it it looks oh, good yeah. like very minimalistic approach to what you need to carry the more parts and pieces you add to things the more stuff you forget and that seems to be my issue all the time so this thing looks really appealing yeah you'll like this because the ring stays on the optic you never take it off and it doesn't um, it doesn't interfere with the viewing experience. Maybe a little bit on the bino. You kind of notice it's there. You have to turn out your... So if you put it on the left eye cup on the bino, you have to turn out the right eye cup so that they're level. So that when you put the the phone on the ring that it, 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 it it's a level surface and it matches up with that right eyepiece so when you pull the phone off and you want to look through your binoculars you know you're it, it changes it just a little bit because you know i'm the kind of guy that screws my eye cups all the way down and mm -hmm. so it, it it you know maybe, maybe I, I don't want to say it's less field of view it's exactly the same field of view i'm just looking I'm, I'm further away from from the the lens is is what it is and but, you know, you're used to it in 30 seconds, you know, once once you've done it. And the rings, they, 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 they go on uh, with a set screw. And so, you know, they, 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 they screw down. So it's not like you're just taking the ring on and off easily. They have to be solid on there. And, uh, and one, one other thing while I'm thinking about that, the B1 right now is only fitting a limited line of binoculars. It barely won on my Zeiss SFL and, um, and, and, and it's maxed out. So that's a, a pretty big eyepiece. And, um, so anything smaller than that, it's fine. And you can even get real small. It's got a spacer ring in it. Um, like what Novagrade uses, which, which works, that's a, a tried and true system. Just can't lose the spacer ring, but you really wouldn't. Cause once you put it on there, it would stay in there. But in August, they're coming out with the, um, a bigger ring to, to be offered with the B1. So, you know, look for that. And Jordan, this is her thing too. I don't want to forget this. And the reason I keep forgetting is because I had, I didn't have the app. The app just launched on Monday. Um, and so this, uh, you can use it without the app. Obviously I did, but the app has some, some cool features with it. And the main thing with the app, and I can't believe I forgot this, but it's just because I didn't have to use it. These phones that have multiple cameras in them, um, multiple lenses. So for wide angle, you know, three power, 10 power, whatever, the, the phone is switching to a different lens. So with a lot of the tr 
this is what I hear, but I don't have one of those phones. I just have the two lenses on the iPhone and I haven't had a problem with it. But apparently with some of the phones, when you switch to different uh, lenses or different cameras within your phone, it, it can um, black out because it's, and you have to move your adapter again. The app eliminates that. It locks it into, and I'm just going off of what Tony and has told me, um, that it locks it into that camera. And so then you're not having a problem. And actually there's a, a Rockslide member on there too, on that thread that's testing it. So the app is, is, is huge for that. You know, guys that are not able to digiscope with these, you know, iPhone 13s, whatever, whatever they are, that's they've got the multiple cameras in them. Um, this is, this is overcoming that. Um, and so the app is out there. People could download that off the app store now, even if they didn't own the product and just look at it. And, um, and there's other features on the app. Again, I don't have it. So I, you know, it, it, I used the whole system before the app even launched the launch, uh, um, the app launched after the system came out. So, you know, we don't want to forget that that's going to be a real strong point, but Tony and Kyle have that in that final review. So there you have it on the MagView digiscoping adapters. You can check them out at magviewgear.com. All right, moving on to some hot news. We have a big one here. The uh, There was a House bill proposed that would repeal the Pittman-Robertson Act. And basically the Pittman-Robertson Act was passed back in 1937. And basically it's a method of funding wildlife habitat management. And how they do that is put a 10 to 11% excise tax on guns, ammunition, fishing equipment. They got bows and arrows in there. They even have like uh, fishing motors, like boat motors in there as well. So... And the idea behind the Pittman-Robertson is like all of that goes into a wild uh, wildlife habitat fund. And so the people that are, you know, using, I don't want to say using wildlife, but, you know, are promoters of wildlife habitat management are basically funding that by purchasing uh, rifles to go hunt with or to go shoot with, purchasing you know, ammunition to run through those rifles, bows and arrows, um, going out fishing, it uh, kicks back into a fund some um, things that were going to help wildlife management and habitat improvement and things that, you know, help keep this, these things that we love doing helps keep them going. So uh, that's what the Pittman-Robertson Act is. Um, I heard a couple different figures, but uh, last year it brought in $1.5 billion, which was a, the record thus far, I've heard. Um, and then it also, I saw another thing that was $1.1 billion, but right in there, uh, a lot, you could say. A lot of money, it's actually pretty crazy, has been um, put into the fund through people buying, you know, firearms and ammunition and things. So... Um, that leads us to why do they want to take that stuff away? So, um, it was a Georgia, I believe he was a representative. Yeah. A representative from Georgia has put this bill forward called the return our constitutional rights act of 2022. It was introduced June 22nd of 2022. And they basically want to take pretty much all the taxes off of all of those things. And, the simplest terms that I can, after reading and like the simplest way that I can put it of why they want to do that is you have your constitutional rights. The Second Amendment um, is undoubtedly a very important one. And, uh, you know, the, the right to bear arms. 
in that Second Amendment, obviously to be able to bear arms, you have to have arms or have the ability to go purchase firearms to do so. So um, they are saying by having this Pittman-Robertson Act um, tax, these taxes on firearms, you are giving, I guess they mean the government, you're giving the government the ability to weaponize those taxes basically putting so much, like such a tax percentage on it that it's going to price the average American out of even purchasing one or being able to walk into a store and purchase one. Therefore, by doing that, it basically takes away the product that makes the amendment what it is. And so you're, you're like inhibiting, um, they would be inhibiting one of your constitutional rights. That is why they want to take it away. I hope I explained it decently. There are a lot of like details, like intricate things, a lot of, you know, um, a lot of opinions one way or the other. I looked this thing up uh, through a few different websites and the one that I settled on to read you off of is gearjunkie.com. They have like a news section and the way they wrote this up was very like, hey, here's the facts kind of deal. So um, that's what we got going on. So if the Return Act were to go through tomorrow, and not that it's going to go up for tomorrow, it's in the very early stages, and a lot of people are saying that it's not even going to go anywhere. Um, but if alleged, or, um, you know, if it were to get past tomorrow, uh, they would basically repeal the excise taxes on firearms and ammunition. They would repeal the excise taxes on bows and arrows. A limitation of tax imposed on fishing rods and poles. A 3% rate of tax for electric outboard motors. And a 3% rate of tax for tackle boxes. So, from there, we are going to bounce over to Wyoming. And we got, uh, we've seen a pretty big change from Wyoming. Uh, their big five, what they're calling it, the moose, bighorn sheep, mountain goat. Uh, I know grizzly bears on there and I just cannot for the life of me think of what the fifth one is. But anyways, they have changed those to the 90 to a 90, 10 allocation. So 90% of the tags go to residents. Um, 10% go to non-residents. Previously, the residents got a little, or the non-residents got a little bigger slice of that. So, you know, now as a non-resident, you look at those, at that 10% hitting you, and then you already have a big issue with point creep as far as the preference point system goes. So, um, Wyoming is considering swapping up that point system for moose and bighorn sheep and go into a weighted bonus point system, which is what Colorado has implemented. Um, and we did a uh, couple episodes on this. First, we talked with Mike Street on both of them. And uh, he talked about the prep, we talked about point creep and how he ran a bunch of numbers in some states and point creep is in fact, you know, real and a problem. Um, and then we did another episode called Bonus Point Mayhem where we talked about the weighted point system in Colorado and how it is in fact working although it is kind of a confusing process um yeah so first off uh digging through preference point systems and the issue of point creep um especially now that Wyoming has less tags going to the non-residents um I know a fellow that I think he had enough he had enough points I thought it was for moose 
um, that he was supposed to draw this year, but the implementation of the 10% um, kicked him kicked him out of that um, running. So basically less tags allocated. You can see how the point creep is going to really drive up uh, now that that 10% has been implemented. So basically the issue of point creep, what is happening is your you know number of tags is probably staying the same or um, maybe you're probably decreasing a little bit, but the amount of applicants putting in for that permit is is going up. So it's a demand issue, basically. Um, so it's just, it's really hard to get a tag. So for example, like if you were going to put in for moose in Wyoming, um, maybe that, you know, maybe you have 24 points right now and the threshold to draw that tag of what's like stated in their, um, in their big game, you know, handbook or whatever is 25 points. You can say in a preference point system, you can say, okay, next year I'm going to have 25 points. That's the threshold currently, and I should be able to draw the tag. So that's one really nice thing with the preference point system. It's basically those with the most points uh, are going to get the tag first, and if there's any leftovers, uh, they would bump down to that 24-point mark and um, you know draw for those remaining tags to those who have one point down, if that makes sense. What can happen with point creep is, let's say, okay, um, I have 24 points. I'm planning on drawing at 25. Next year gets here. Um, it was a really hard winter. They had to take some tags away. And then, you know, there was a 200 applicant jump in the unit that you're trying to apply for. Um, pretty soon, that threshold of 25 points now could jump up to 26 points and you're in the same boat and theoretically that could keep happening over and over and over again and for a non-resident getting these preference points is like outrageously it's really expensive i think last time i looked into it was 150 dollars um i personally just quit putting in for moose i really wanted to draw moose in wyoming i had accrued some points when i was a resident and when i moved away Man, they were 150 bucks a point, um, and the unit at the time that I wanted to draw was 20 some odd points. You do the math; that's a lot of money. And so I just quit putting in. So, um, anyways, that's what can happen with preference point systems. In a weighted point system, you still accrue points. They call they call them bonus points. You still accrue those points, and gaining those points will give you better odds of drawing, but not 100% chance odds of drawing. Um, there's a randomized element to it. They assign everybody a random number, and it is like a truly random number, and they flip it and invert it and flip it upside down and do all kinds of crazy things with it. Um, and then they divide that number by your preference points. And when they divide that by your preference points, it gives you a new number that puts you um, on the list of applicants or like a stack of applicants that they draw from the top down from the smallest number up. So it, whoever gets the smallest number is going to be the first on the list. And that could be somebody with um, five bonus points or that could be somebody with 20 bonus points. Um, obviously, the dividing factor of that by your bonus points, you know, you exponentially cut 
that uh, you know that randomized number down every year that you draw or that you gain points. It's just making that number smaller, but you still could get somebody who has way less points than you that gets a better randomized number and gets a smaller number than you. Um, so that I honestly don't mind it. Um, it would give non-residents a little. It would give everybody more of a chance at drawing. Um, there are already very limited number of these permits anyways. Um, yeah, so, gosh, I don't know. That's basically what's going on currently. So um, amidst, you know, the 90-10 split in, gen in total, um, the current law also allocates that 75% of the moose and bighorn sheep licenses go into the preference point draw, while the remaining 25% are randomly allocated. So 25% of those, as it stands now, they do go into a randomized draw that anybody can draw. Um, so there still is like a very small random factor to that, but you know now, again, with this 10%, I guess, bottlenecking for non-residents, you just... Um, it's just not making non-resident odds much better. And you throw in the preference point system and how many it takes to draw and all these things. And it's pretty um, pretty hard to get ahead or to, you know, put in 150 bucks for one of those species in a year um, and hope that you can keep doing that and draw in the next 15 years or 20 years. So anyways, it's crazy. That's what's going on. They're taking comments through August 1st, 2022. That is in Wyoming. So, moving on here. Going to move to a hot minute. Um, I put a Q&A up the other day. Every once in a while, I like putting Q&As up. I can gather some questions to give me some content ideas and, and help people out along the way if I know what I'm talking about. Um, so, uh, for the hot minute, I got a... <clears throat> I got a a question on one of those uh, questionnaire things that I put out. Um, it was, they said, how much water are you packing in with? Um, it depends, you know, and I'm going to take this like two different ways. Uh, I think that you should aim for four liters a day on the mountain. Um, that is both like, you know, your water consumption, like coffee in the morning, making your breakfast, making your dinner. Um, four is pretty good. I think that that's like a little on the, um, that's like, for me anyways, that's a little on the, the high side. Four liters, I know that I'm, you know, I'm going to have enough water and probably a little extra if I want something else. Um, Three liters a day is, like, my personal minimum if I got to do, like, you know, more than just a, a day of, you know, for some reason I can't get four liters. I can get by on three liters with everything. Um, I've noticed that, you know, sometimes I might be like, oh, I want to have another Nalgene bottle of water or, you know, just, like, chug a half a bottle of water or something like that. And I only have enough water for like the next morning for coffee or something like that left. And then, um, you know, after that, I got to drop down and get more water or whatever. Um, as far as like packing in though, if you're, it really depends where you're at. Like if I'm in a situation where I know like I'm going to be crossing water every 
like fairly often just a Nalgene bottle full of water and then just stop and fill it up every time but that is one thing too is like you kind of got to stop and make sure you top it off every time every time you get to like a, sh a little stream crossing or something um just chug some water fill your water bottle up make sure it's you know steripend or sterilized and roll with it um then there are times when you are really packing in and then that is just i just try to i think like two liters is a if you're gonna go even like on a day trip that you think that you don't really know if you're going to come across water or not, like two liters probably at the least. And it's nice to have like a two liter water bladder full of water and then like a Nalgene bottle that you can fill up if you want. Um, that's a really tough question, but I think like a really good rule of thumb for a goal is four liters per day, especially if you're a bigger guy. Um, I'm really not like a, I'm like a bigger lady, you know, tall wise, but not, uh, and not like a big guy. Like you probably need like four liters per day, um, at least, but I seem to be able to get by with three. So three to four liters of water per day is pretty good thing to plan on, I think. Um, and then as far as packing in, yeah, that's a tough one. It just kind of depends, but I wouldn't have any less than two liters of water on me when I leave the trailhead if I am not like 100% certain where water is around the area. Uh, so I wanted to talk about like water packing and filtration too. I think uh, just a few um, a few episodes ago on Tipsy Tuesday I did talk about water filtration so I don't want to go too crazy but um, what I'm going to do this year is, uh, you know, a SteriPen. I use the Adventure. There are a few different kinds of SteriPens, but um, I use that little green one See, called the Adventure, I'm pretty sure. I really like it. Um, it takes kind of some oddball batteries. You just got to make sure you have an extra set of. And I just order those from Amazon, and I put an extra set in my, like, um, essentials kit and roll with it. Um, and then something else I'm going to try this year is a squeeze filter. Um, there's a lot of squeeze filters out there. I got the Platypus Quick Draw. And uh, mostly I got that, like, it's just not big at all. It's just like the SteriPen. It's a very small type deal. And I'm honestly going to carry both. The SteriPen with my Nalgene and then that little squeeze filter um, with a, a Nalgene as well. Um, the squeeze filter... It comes with a little dirty bag so I can fill up a liter of water. It gives me a little extra there. And then especially if you're getting it out of like stagnant water and there's bugs and stuff, um, I don't think it hurts to just be able to squeeze it through. And you get rid of, uh, it's kind of like a, it pre-filters the water as well as um, like filters it or sterilizes it, um, purifies it, I guess. Whereas a SteriPen, unless you come up with something where you're like running, you're you're trying to strain the water somehow, you can so you can strain the bugs and the moss and stuff out of it. Um, yeah, it uh, it can it can get a little bit gross. So, and then I also have a MSR Sweet Water filter that I haven't used in forever. Um, I think something you got to be careful of even on the squeeze filters is like any kind of a filter that takes like a or any pump that takes a filter whether that's like a squeeze system or like a traditional pump system those little ceramic filters if those things 
Um, especially, I would say, like, mid-September and on, this can be an issue. If they freeze, they can crack, and then you're not really filtering water out of it. You might be getting some, but not all of it. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. Try to, um, that's something that's really nice about the SteriPin in later, um, like later times. It, uh, it, uh, you don't have to worry about it freezing. So there you go. Oh, I also wanted to mention again, and I just got my two in the mail that I'm super pumped about. Um, backpack logistics, the, uh, like finding backcountry fellas, the Whitwer boys, they came up with this, uh, deal. It's basically packing food for the backcountry for you. They're putting it in individualized bags and, um, gosh, what would you, what'd you call it? Like vacuum sealing those bags. So when you go to leave for a trip, you, if you have a bunch of those, you order them, you can build whatever packs you want. And then they also have, uh, what they're calling pro packs. I have put one together. Um, you can look at it. If you just go to backpack logistics and I think you go to pro packs and there's a few people that have ones on there and then I have mine on there as well. So cool. Moving on. We have our Onyx tip of the week, which I just saw this on their blog not too long ago, which you should go and uh, subscribe to the Onyx blog. Honestly, if you have Onyx maps, it's like it, it keeps you updated and there's a lot of like, um, there's things that they've been putting out lately that's like Onyx maps, like one on one on one, like here's how to use the app. Here's how you like A to Z, which is really cool. I've been getting some questions on, you know, Onyx, like how, how do you do certain things And that hunt app 101 video will take you all the way through it. But one thing I saw on their blog was 3d maps, uh, now available on the Android. So that is cool. If you, uh, if you don't have Onyx right now, for some reason, um, you can get a discount on us, 20% off if you use code ROCKCAST at checkout onxmaps.com forward slash hunt. And then, as usual, I'm drinking Black Rifle coffee as I record this, and then also drinking it on the mountain. Just got uh, a couple boxes of the instance, getting ready to gear up for more scouting coming up soon. If you use code ROCKSLIDE at checkout blackriflecoffee.com, you will get 20% off on us. Pretty sweet. And then firstlight.com. They got a bunch of new lifestyle apparel out. Um, I always like to talk about their duffel bags for travel. Waterproof duffel bags or highly water resistant duffel bags. They have some cool feature in there. Just a pretty sleek, cool looking bag. And then for all the waterfowlers out there, it is coming in hot. You can now go to firstlight.com and look at all of the new waterfowl uh, line at firstlight.com so go check that out and then one of the coolest uh one of the cool things if you are a money saver is activejunkie.com so the way active junkie works you get on go to activejunkie.com forward slash rock slide sign up for a free account if they're they have 1500 brands and retailers you can go through there um there's a bunch of them i think there's like four wheel parts is one so it's like uh utv gear um gear for your pickup all kinds of stuff let's say you want to get on and get a soft hopper 
or something from four wheel parts, which the soft toppers are like pretty sweet. If you like the idea of a topper, but you need to be able to use your bed, they fold up super quickly and they're just pretty great. Like it's a, it's a pretty dang good system for, um, the stuff that we do being able to protect our gear. So anyways, say you want to go with four wheel gear or four wheel parts, go to activejunkie.com, find four wheel parts, click through to the four wheel parts website, go order whatever you want, tonneau cover, the soft topper deal I was talking about, um, new lights, new like floor mats, seat covers, whatever. And you will get cash back through Active Junkie along with any coupons or any discounts that you're getting through that specific store that you're ordering through. So um, they will give you, Active Junkie will give you up to 20% cash back on any of your purchases you make throughout those 1,500 brands and retailers that they support. Um, and they, every 90 days, they send uh, checks out right to your mailbox, or they will deposit that money right into your PayPal account. So it is not like bonus points that you have to keep track of on their website and only use with brands on their website. You can, it's just cash money. Use it wherever you want. Um, my personal favorite stores, Shields, like awesome for all things hunting and like outdoor sports. Um, Moose Jaw is a good one for discounted things, I think. Um, Yeti, of course, Yeti coolers and cups. Um, Goodyear Tires is on there as well if you need some tires. Um, Booking.com, if you're looking to book a trip, you can get, um, you know, scrounge around a little bit through Booking.com. Usually they have some decent deals to book your, like, winter getaway. And then Active Junkie will give you up to 20% cash back on that as well. So it's a great way to save um, some savings and then be able to take those, you know, those earnings that you make off of purchasing through Active Junkie and just apply them right into another purchase or kick it back in your bank account or however you want to do it. But that is a great way. Uh, thank you to all the sponsors that we have. Um, it's been a fun ride, and I'm glad that uh, you guys are helping us kick these these episodes out. It's been a blast. So uh, with that, I think that wraps us, that wraps us up for this week. Um, I will be doing one here in another couple of weeks. We'll round out the end of July. Hopefully I'll have some good scouting updates. And then, yeah, we have some good episodes coming up. Jane Bale's talking about the new Absorca tent from Argali. And we're going to talk about some other stuff as well. I'm going to do an episode where I run through my Matthews, uh, my new Matthews V3X bow. It is awesome. And, like, the Matthews accessories that come with it, you know, in short, if you're somebody that kind of likes to tinker on your own things, but you don't want to get too technical and you don't have too much like technical um, stuff for to work on a bow, like that system that they have put together, it's just everything is so it fits correctly. You don't have to make any modifications to any sights um, sliding in with uh, that new like slide in sight system that they've got. So it's cool. I will be talking about that for too much longer. So. Hope everybody has a good mid-July, and you'll be hearing from me in a couple of weeks.